How different is Jonah chapter 2 from Jonah chapter 1? I mean, it's almost like we're seeing this picture of a completely different person. We've gone from a story about uh, a man who was running from God in chapter 1 to now the desperate prayer of a man calling to God for help. I think the usual response to this that I've seen is one of shock, right? If you haven't read the book of Jonah before, then you probably weren't expecting such a dramatic shift in the tone of the book. I think it's pretty important then, and I think you'll find you agree, that we look at what changes. What is the difference between Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 2? Well, what we find is that one pretty big key change occurs. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The one event that differentiates Jonah 1 from Jonah 2 is that God does what God does best. God saves. Now, the first two chapters of Jonah, I think, are really quite interesting, particularly with regards to how they're written. So, I mentioned yesterday, and maybe you had some small group questions that are related to it, that Jonah ran from God in two different ways. He ran from God physically, and he did that by getting on a boat and fleeing to Tarshish. And he ran from God spiritually. He made the decision to follow himself rather than follow God. And because there's this metaphor where Jonah runs from God in two different ways, we also see that God saves Jonah in two different ways. The first one is obvious. Fleeing from God physically has meant that Jonah now kind of has all of these external problems. And God saves Jonah from the storm. So if we think back a little bit to Jonah chapter 1, I mean, narratively, he ends in a pretty tremendous amount of trouble. So he's run from God. He got on a boat and fled to Tarshish. While he was on the boat, such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. That's pretty bad. But not only that, the sailors, it was bad enough that the sailors on the boat threw their belongings overboard and made the decision that it was worthwhile pleading with God and taking the risk of killing one of his prophets in order to make it out. Having endured such a storm and having now been thrown into the ocean to die, we can undoubtedly look at Jonah here and say, he needs to be saved. I can hardly think of a worse situation to find myself in than at the bottom of the ocean. And here is where we get to that crucial verse. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Even despite Jonah's running, God is a God who saves. Despite everything that Jonah has done, despite his fleeing God, despite his rejecting God's commands, despite him making the judgment call that he is right and God is wrong, God sends a great fish to swallow him. God has mercy on Jonah and God provides him with a refuge. By providing for Jonah a fish, God does something. 
He makes it plain and clear to Jonah that he needs to be saved. There is no lower he can go. And God is the only person who can provide that salvation. And what does Jonah do in this situation? He calls out to God. And that may seem insubstantial to some of you, but remember, we're dealing with someone who just last chapter boarded a boat and sailed across the ocean just to do what God didn't want him to. Jonah has been given this epiphany and we see true and proper repentance from Jonah. He calls out to God from the lowest of the low. In verse 3, you hurled me to the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me and your waves and breakers swept over me. In verse 5, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. But God saves Jonah in more ways than one. Jonah has been running from God physically, but Jonah has also been moving further away from God spiritually. And to see this, I want to look at one of the things that I think is incredible about the book of Jonah. Um, now, if we flick back to Jonah 1 for a second, we're going to see something very interesting. Um, and I'm actually going to jump across to the ESV because it's a little more pronounced. But if you have an NIV, have a look and see if you can spot what I'm talking about. So, verse 3. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it. Verse 5. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Then we skip forward to Jonah chapter 2. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. Verse 5. The deep surrounded me. Down, 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 deep, deep, deep. We see this image of Jonah getting lower and lower and lower as he strays further and further from God. And this is the fantastic double meaning of the book of Jonah. What is actually happening to Jonah in the story with the fish is also a metaphor for what's happening in Jonah's heart. Jonah decides not to follow God, he goes down. He runs from God, he goes down. He hides from God's anger, he goes down. And eventually he is thrown into the ocean and he sinks to the deep. He is far from God and his heart is far from God. But there, where it seems impossible, as if he and God are entirely removed, God saves him. God saves Jonah from his own sinfulness. I mean, let's look at the verses we skipped over before. Verse 4. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Or verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. That doesn't sound like Jonah is describing being saved from the sea. What he's describing is being saved from his own sin 
from his own rejection of God. God is a God who saves, and he saves both from the storm that is raging outside, as well as from our own sinful hearts. Even with Jonah having run to the ends of the earth to try and escape God, God still sends a fish to save him from the deep. And even with Jonah having rejected God and chosen his own will, he calls to God, and God still restores Jonah to him. Being a follower of God, like we discussed yesterday, does not mean that you will automatically and blindly follow God, or even that it's easy to want to follow Him. But today we also learn another fundamental truth. Being a follower of God means that He will always be there to save us when we fail and when we cannot save ourselves. When we call to God, He hears and he delivers us to dry land. So how do we put ourselves in Jonah's shoes when we read this chapter? Because I don't know about you, but I haven't fled to Tarshish. I have never been in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the ocean. I have never been saved from drowning. God saves Jonah with this extraordinary miracle that literally saves his life. How can we see ourselves in that when we're sitting here comfortably at youth camp in Wedderburn? Well, this is where the metaphor becomes really important because God also saves us. See, Jonah undergoes this radical change between chapter 1 and chapter 2. He is determined to flee from God and he is blind to his own sin until he is at the very depths holding on to life only because God offered him salvation in the form of a fish. I mean, you might think that you're comfortable right now. Don't get me wrong. We are physically. But where are you spiritually? You might not think that you need God to save you because, well, what is there to be saved from? Life is good. Everything is comfortable. It's just as it should be. You're happy. Well, unfortunately, that's the same thing that Jonah thought as he hurtled towards his death. Like I mentioned yesterday, sin looks good in a vacuum, devoid of consequence. That's why we do it. It took God offering Jonah a fish at his very lowest point for Jonah to recognize, oh, hey, maybe I need to be saved. Well, newsflash, God is doing the same thing for you. He doesn't offer us a fish, right, because we're not his prophets, but we are his children. 2,000 years ago today, God sent his son to be born as a man, to witness to the world, to be condemned to death on a cross. Jesus Christ lived and died, taking on the sins of the whole world and dying in our place. He is that salvation. We read in Romans, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died to show us that we are in the belly of the fish. We are at our lowest. 
That is why Jesus had to die. We live day to day, may be comfortable, but prioritizing everything except God. You might think your life is fine, but maybe your purpose is based on how many likes you can get. Maybe the only reason you get up in the morning is so that you can go to school and be validated by your friends and your peers. It's this fickle existence of chasing satisfaction that is never going to come. Jesus' death on the cross is there to save us, and it does so because, like Jonah, we need salvation. God is calling us to a higher, better way of living, where our purpose is found in Him, and it will never be shaken. And it's better even than that, because Jesus died for us once and for all. He paid for all sin. Let's say you're a Christian, and you're already in a right relationship with God. But like Jonah, you still find yourself disobeying Him and giving in to sin. Maybe the thing you struggle to cut from your life is gossip. Now, you're a Christian, but you find that when it matters most, you choose gossip over God. That's wrong, and it's something we need to cut out of our lives. But because Jesus died once and for all, God continues to save you. If your purpose is already found in Christ, then you are saved forever and ever with no end because God is a saving God and Jesus died for you. We're constantly going to stumble and fall as Christians. Constantly. It happens all the time. And it's often pretty crushing when you actually stop and think about where you stand with God. You might feel, when you turn back to gossip, for example, that you have once again been cut off from God, having returned to the depths where Jonah was. But we can call on God to be saved. Our sin is paid for once and for all. Being restored to a right relationship with God, one where, he, one where we want what He wants, is something we will fail at again and again and again. But it's something that God saves us from again and again and again. Through Jesus, every single time. And not because we deserve it, but because in His grace, God is a saving God. Just like Jonah, who knew God and still followed his own heart and needed to be saved again by God, today we learn that thankfully, no matter how many mistakes we make, no matter how often we fixate on the things that we want rather than what God wants, God is a saving God. We can be certain that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation comes from the Lord. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jonah chapter 2. We thank you that we can read this desperate cry for help from Jonah in the belly of the fish. We thank you that just as you sent Jonah the fish 
you sent us Jesus Christ to convict us of our need for salvation. We pray as we go into discussion groups that you help us to think about what things we might need saving from and what our response is to you as a saving God. Amen.